the, the weather is extreme and obviously the humidity in Miami, is, it made it a very difficult exercise. But I thought, obviously, the first goal was going to be essential today. It allows the other team to get the ball and, and keep it a little bit easier. And, and obviously, we got a little bit frustrated and uh, that was towards the end. But overall, apart from uh, Nicky Jelovic, that he had a dead leg and he had to come off, I was very pleased with the, with the manner that we, we finished the, the, the whole tournament. I think playing against Real Madrid and Juventus for different reasons and Valencia um, is, is, is giving us a, a, an, an important workout and it's been great for me to get a lot of information from different partnerships, different individuals uh, showing the moments of form in, in view of the start of the season. So from, from that point of view, it's been a real, a real success. Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, sat here with Mark Mach, as usual. Afternoon, everyone. How are we doing today? Yeah, no Jimmy Savile jokes this week. No, Jimmy Savile was not in the room, wasn't in the room last week. Any rumours about me and Jimmy Savile are factually incorrect and started by Copite. Who, and Jimmy Savile indeed, was a Copite by... by uh, well, if you look on the uh, the, the Facebook page, uh, there is uh, photographic evidence that Jimmy Savile was in fact a dirty Copite. And that, I mean, that, that will go down in court, you know, as, as proof, yeah? Of course it would, yeah. A picture says a thousand words, is the same. Terrible cop-eye behaviour. Um, right, so f- f- first of all, we, we, we're just going to, like we did last week, talk about uh, the friendlies and then move on to Everton stories and transfer news, gossip, some of your views. Um, so do you want to just start straight away? Uh, let's talk about the Real Madrid game at the weekend. Yeah, um, well, we got beat. Yeah, we did, but... Um, by all uh, by all accounts, um, as you heard Roberto uh, talking at the beginning of the, beginning of the podcast, uh, saying about the whole tour, um, we, we, talk, we can take a lot of credits from the game. Yeah, I mean looking over looking over the, the whole of the three games and taking it as sort of you know, looking as an overall tournament. I think what he's done is he's tried out uh, different formations in each of the games. He's looked at who can play with who. I mean, we've seen, you know, the likes of, he seems to like to play Naismith with Jelovic when they're on. Um, you know, he's tied up different partnerships all over the field, really. Um, and you see, it was a different team, wasn't it, really, in the Madrid game as to what was in the Juventus game? Yeah, and again, as, as Roberto said at the beginning, um, the conditions, the conditions apparently uh, on, on Saturday were ideal footballing conditions, uh, sun, but uh, not, too, not too hot. But Miami, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, the Valencia game uh, was just uh, just a nightmare. Um, but by the Real Madrid game, though, um, we we really competed well. Uh, there was a, a lot, of, a lot, of, I'd say, a lot of positives. Uh, another Jelovic goal. Another Jelovic goal. You know, a thunderbolt from him. Um, not exactly. I actually thought it was a really good goal. I mean, I thought you know, a bit of a link up there with Nate Smith. Uh, headed across from Nate Smith, and then obviously Jelovic is—it's been slightly behind him, which isn't isn't an easy 
technique to do is you probably see me try many a time down at the pits on a Tuesday night and it ends up on Walton Road. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been slightly behind him. He, he's managed to get his foot around it. And he, I mean, again, I think I said this last week, I, I keep on uh, putting Everton players down, saying the keeper should have done better. Maybe the keeper should have kept Jelovic's effort out. But, uh, but I thought it was a good finish. Yeah, in the corner. Uh, the only scrambled across but couldn't quite keep it out. Um, another goal? Another goal. Yeah, and they, they had two goal scorers score for them I've never heard of before. Um, I know this comes up a lot on the podcast, me not knowing European talent. Some fella called Christian Ronaldo or something, he scored one for No, never heard of him, no. Never heard of him. Looks like he loves himself a little bit though, so uh, maybe he's got a few ideas about the station, like. Uh, and Mehmet uh, Ozil. Mehmet, the fish, Ozil. <laughs> he does look like a fish. He looks like that fish from the, the Little Mermaid. No, but to be, to be fair, their first goal, uh, incisive breakaway, knocked it around Howard and put it in. Just uh, classic Ronaldo, really, wasn't it? Just pace, full of pace, great first touch. Uh, took him away from the defenders. Decent uh, goal, decent sort of counter attacking goal. I've looked at it and I can't see any of our players at fault, really. No, uh, the second one. Definitely a suspicion of offside there. Uh, obviously, it, it stood, so the ref didn't see it. Um, well, on that note, though, uh, there is a few uh, a few little ears of discontent, I think, from a few Evertonians. Uh, there's a, there's a conspiracy theories going around that maybe uh, the referees have been instructed to, to help Real Madrid along a little bit. Yeah, it's only Real Madrid. Like, like the, you know, you know, they, they need a bit of help along the way, don't they? Well, uh, players nobody's heard of well I mean if you look at some of the decisions in the game uh, Destan scored a header for us which would have made it 1-1 and I've looked at that goal a number of times now and I can't see anything wrong with it it reminds me a bit of that goal uh, in the derby in Anfield last year where he had a similar one chalked off because apparently an achievement looked at Carragher the wrong way or something yeah it's could have been a red shite ref really Um, I, I can't see how that's been disallowed either. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. I mean, we, we seem to be on the end, on the end of these um, these bizarre decisions all the time. I don't want to whinge about it because it's, it's only a friendly um, and we'll probably be doing enough whinging about it over the season. But um, it's just just a shame, really, when decisions like that go your way. Well, uh, don't, don't go your way, even, sorry. There was another shout in the game there as well where Morales uh, should have had a penalty and uh, I think it was given as a free kick outside the box even though he was nearly on the six-yard line. <laughs> but, um, as I say, there's a few people on, on Facebook and other, other outlets uh, basically saying that they think you know, the, the, the refs have been instructed to help Madrid through because of the popularity and he was trying to set up the organisers trying to set up a dream final with Madrid and Chelsea because you've got the backstory of Mourinho's first game, you know, against Real Madrid, while he's back at Chelsea, and a number of other issues there, so, um, I mean, what, I, I don't know, do you, do you think the Americans would make up their own rules for things? No, it's not, it wouldn't be like, wouldn't be like them to do something like that, would it? Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, you can talk conspiracy theories, I mean, there was, there was, a, there was a, a, what was it, going around where we were meant to play on Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, we ended up getting booked on the Wednesday instead, and all the fictionalists went out like the first draft of uh, the seeds, and we should have played AC Milan, was it? Yeah, basically where I was after the Madrid game, um, we should have gone into the, the playoff for third place position in this tournament, um, and for whatever reason, the, the organisers suddenly said, well, no, we've changed the rules, and we've changed the way points are scored, 
um, and I don't know, touchdowns and home runs, cant or something. Uh, and then basically we, we were put into the, the fifth place playoff game against Valencia. So after winning a game which put us above those sides in you know in, in all actuality, then we had to go into a playoff to play and finish beneath them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty yeah. Much, I think yeah. that's my understanding. But again, we're moaning. It's a friendly tournament. You've got to take the positives from it. You know, we beat one of the best sides in Europe in Juventus. You know, probably one of the best back lines in in Europe. Uh, I had not too bad up front as well with Tevez and Lorente. Um, we played Real Madrid. We we matched them for part of the game. Um, and then obviously we'll come on to we play Valencia who were a decent side as well yeah just before we move on from that I mean we're hoping that the Everton fans who uh, lost out by booking tickets to the Tuesday night game I mean it, it seems it seems to have been resolved where they've uh, managed to get refunds for the tickets and we just hope that they can get the travel sorted and stuff like that so if anyone, any any blues who, uh, who went, uh, you know who were there feel free to get in touch with us let us know your story it's all very well, the club saying, you know, we'll offer, and the organised saying we'll, we'll offer tickets on, you know, for refunds on the door, but a lot of Evertonians, what they'll do is they'll book, you know, money's tight, so they'll, they'll book just enough days to cover the games before they come home, so by putting the game back a day, you know, I'm sure there was Evertonians flying home on the Wednesday instead of the Tuesday, so, you know, it, it's not good really when, when you look at it from a fan's point of view, but... Uh, you know, we're fans ourselves. When are we ever listened to? Yeah. Um, let's go uh, back to the game. Uh, there was some, as I say, some bright, uh, bright sparks in the game. Uh, Barkley, Barkley looked, uh, looked, I, I looked like he was, I, not, he was trying to rise to the occasion, and uh, a lot of the time, a lot of the time he was it. You know, some of his passing and his touch looked really, really good, and um, you know, at that high, high level opposition. Um, yeah, he's def- definitely a positive to take out of the game. His performance. Uh, he seems to be keeping the ball a lot better now. I mean, in in the past he's come on and you know he's tried so hard to make a killer pass or to do something uh, you know that's, that's gonna lift the crowd because you know he feels that pressure of expectation. But he seems to be keeping the ball a lot better. He seems to be you know a lot more comfortable on the ball. His distribution's a little bit better. So. Uh, do you know what? I've got. I think this could. This could be the season where he makes his mark. I really do. I think you know exactly what you just said then about uh, trying to make his mark and turn a game, make an impression. I think in the very nature of way uh, of the way Moyes was using them, I don't think the lad could have um, could have been, could think anything else because that's that's the way Moyes was bringing them on to, to do that to turn a game and it's an awful lot of pressure to to come in midfield if you if you're like two down or something come in and change a, change a game around. Um, well, a lot of people would say that you were on it just to get brought on to substitute Bangles, because uh, he didn't like making substitutions. No, not, for, not for more than a minute or two, did he? Especially with the young lads. Uh, but, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that Ross gets uh, gets a bit of a run in the side, a bit of confidence. And, you know, I think I think Martinez will definitely, look, looks to have confidence. He's come out today and said that uh, he's, he's going to have faith in the youth, youth system. So maybe Ross will get a go. Uh, you know, Stones looks like he's going to uh, get a go this season as well. And maybe we might see that uh, that Greek fella who played a couple of times for us, that uh, Darius. I don't know what happened to him. Him and the Moyes, but he seemed to come on and do decent every time he was on. And then uh, 
Yeah, he always seems to come on and either score or set a goal up, and then uh, we wouldn't see him again for four months. But, uh, well, yeah, you don't know, do you? Because you, you, it all depends on these young lads, how they're doing in reserve games and training. So, um, but as you say, I'd like to see them given a chance. And I mean, I'm sh- this is another subject that I think we'll get onto a little bit later, but, um, you know, it's looking more and more likely that Fellaini may be on his way. Um, so, why not get. Why, why go out to buy somebody to replace Fellaini? Why don't we just let Barkley replace Fellaini? Yeah, we'll talk about that one later on. Um, two other players who I want to mention from the Madrid game. Coleman's come out and said he relished the opportunity to play against Ronaldo. And he, he copes all right, you know, apart from Ronaldo scoring and uh, setting, up a, setting up a goal. You know, that's quiet by, by his standards in games, uh, games these days, isn't it? Um, he said he relished it. He did well. So when, um, when Ronaldo got round the back of him for that goal, was he too busy buying shares in Apple? Or was he, you know... Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or running across America in a, in a pair of night training? I think it's, I think it's uh, the choice of words. He said he relished it when we all know Coleman's mustard. Right, okay, let's move on. Uh, sorry, let me just let these tumbleweeds blow across <laughs> first before we move on with that one. Uh, that's quite sharp, that, you know. Um, the last player I just want to highlight, uh, you talked about uh, his finish before, uh, Jalovic. Uh, one touch, one touch again, okay. Wasn't wasn't exactly, uh, as, I, as I joked before, out of being a thunderbolt. But he was in the position, linked up well with, uh, with Naismith. And another goal. Yeah, people must be starting to think we've got some sort of yellow bitch obsession on this podcast because he's been popping up every week so far. But, um, you know, it's true what you say. I, I, you know, he is really showing signs on this tour. I know they're only friendlies and we keep saying that. But he is showing signs that he's sharp. Um, and, and nothing excites me more, really, for the forthcoming season than, other than, you know, a sharp Jelovic who's scoring goals. That, that's what we that's what we sorely missed last year. If we can get the Jelovic back from two seasons ago, or when, when he first signed in, in, in that January, it'll be like a whole new signing, and not just a you know not just a squad player. It'll be you know a top striker on top of his game when he like he was when he first signed. Uh, and you know you're looking fifteen million, fifteen twenty million uh, to, to to sign a striker like that. So yeah, that it, it excites me. It excites me too. Yeah, so I mean, and then obviously after Real Madrid, we uh, move on to Valencia. Yeah, Valencia last night, which was a bit of a different story, really. Uh, as, as again, as you were, Martin is talking at the beginning, talking about the humidity and how how uh, how difficult the conditions were. I don't think you you've never been to to Florida, have you? John? No, I haven't. No. I, I've been a couple of times, and I mean, even on on the best of days, I can vouch for it. It's it's you know. The minute you walk out your hotel room, you know, you're sweating buckets. It, it is not nice weather to be doing anything strenuous, and you know, it, it's 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 so different to here. And I'm sure we'll find, you know, with the World Cup next year in Brazil, that they'll, you know, the, the European teams, the English teams, that they'll suffer the same sort of uh, knock-on effect from it. Really, you know, that that humidity it just makes the, it's so difficult to play in. So for a side like Valencia. Uh, it's, it's more suited for a team like that who are, who are maybe used to conditions which well, aren't too I'm, dissimilar. Well, I'm not trying to make you know excuses here because in Spain we all know it's hot, but it's not humid like it is in a tropical sort of environment like it is over in Florida. It's different for them again. So I'm not trying to use this as an excuse. I'm just saying obviously the performance of the players. 
probably didn't look as high as it did in the previous two games and, and that's what I'm trying to say more is, is that's where the humility is coming. I'm not making excuses for the defeat because um, obviously we lost 1-0 um, but I'm just saying that's why I've seen you know a few people getting on the backs of some of the players, Fellaini in particular. Yeah, I, just I'm watching the whole game and Fellaini from about two minutes in looked like he was dripping in, uh, in, in sweat and it looked like he had a a wet poodle on top of his head, <laughs> you know, with like conditions were that hot. Uh, and uh, you know, you're, you're gonna get it? you're gonna get sweaty with that barn on the best of days, aren't you? To be yeah. fair, like so. Um, do you think the new kit might have uh, might hopefully it's on a bogey for us? You know, quickly, do you want to do you want to talk about this later or now? Thoughts on the new kit? No, I mean I, I am loving the new kit at the minute. Um, to me, it's got a bit of a Boca Juniors South American look to it. Um, I don't know if you remember that old Boca Juniors kit with yeah. Coca-Cola as the sponsor. Class top, always wanted one. About 60 quid on the internet though, so I didn't want to sell out the money, 60 notes. Um, but yeah, I, I like it a lot. The only, the only thing that gets me a little bit about it is there's a lot of royal blue there, so there's obviously a third kit on its way as well. Yeah, yeah. so I, the, the, the rumour was that the third kit's possibly going to be white. So... Well, that, that makes sense, yeah. I mean, I, I, well... Put it this way, at least it doesn't look like somebody's run over it. Yeah, it doesn't look like Fred the Weatherman's designed it, like uh, the Shanks uh, second and third kits at the moment. Uh, what, what is that purple thing that the, the, the Shanks have got for the third kit? What's uh, that all about? I don't, I don't know, it looks like a cat's been like, eating Vimto sweets and uh, Ralph's all over it, if you ask me. And to our listeners, if you want to see some absolute comedy gold, I know you probably wouldn't usually do this, but Go on the Liverpool club club shop online, and they do a sleeveless training top that's white with like a weird grey pattern on. It is pure gypsy wedding outfit type stuff. Honestly, have a look at it. You will laugh your head off, and you will know some woolly back cop out somewhere personally that will buy and wear that top. And the shorts to match, and the socks to match, yeah. and the scarf and the badge. That's if they're not wearing like skin tight cut off jeans with it or something you know it is a quality in the wrong sense of quality outfit so uh, have a little look at that get on it I'm sure it'll amuse some of our listeners yeah I mean I, I, I like the new kit there's been a lot of uh, a lot of memes going around this week on uh, on Twitter and Facebook oh. just, just explain to me as an idiot what a meme is I don't actually know what the, the, the technical uh, definition of one is. I just think it's a funny picture that, that, that circulates the internet with some funny text. Is that, is that so it's one of these pictures with a bit of text on the bottom. Usually it's like a cat with his, like, his eyes bulging out. Yeah, cat them. memes. They're normally topical. Right, okay. So, so that's a meme. So there's been memes going around about what this week? Uh, the new out and away kit uh, being a little bit similar to Minions from... Despicable Me. No, you've lost me. Oh, all right. Did those, have you not seen Despicable Me? No. I'm sure our listeners have anyway, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but let, let, we'll go, go back to the game. And no, what was that all about then? Was there no point to that? No, that's, what it, that's, just, that, that's it. They look like minions from Despicable Me. They're yellow and blue. Right, okay. I thought that was going somewhere then. It's probably going to be another... Coleman's mustard joke anyway, so probably better off than Ali. Um, yeah, anyway, back to the game. Uh, I want to talk about uh, highlights 
and, and a couple of lowlights from the from the game. But the, the, the two players who stood out, and it seems to be the story from most of the tour really. Uh, Naismith. Naismith seemed to have a you know a very productive game again, tackling, getting forward. Well, I, I've been a Naismith fan for a fairly long time. <laughs> All right, okay, I'll admit, I doubt Naismith. You know, I don't think he's good enough for the club. However, I will say this: he has so far impressed me on this tour. I think um, you know, hard work. He has an assist on Saturday. Gets his head down and grafts. I don't know. Maybe last season he was just unfit. Well, I, I, there's been a lot of talk. I know a lot of Evertonians think you know his best position would be maybe playing just off Yelovich. I think he used to have that partnership up at Rangers. So, um, and you know, it, it looks as if, as, as we said earlier, Martinez has used this tour to sort of have a look at different partnerships and how people are playing together. So maybe he's got that in mind. You know, maybe it'll be something that we'll see in. Know, cup games maybe or or other games where maybe Morales isn't fit or if he decides to play Morales out wide um, so I mean it, you know if Nate Smith can prove he's got a bit of quality then you know he's a good versatile player to have around the squad yeah I hope he can I hope he can because uh, I mean we, we were on his back a lot last season and you know I, I hate to get on, on Everton players uh, back so but I mean Last season, he just didn't. Have, he scored a couple of handy goals, but well, on that point, do you not think, right? Do you not think that there's something about us Evertonians where we always have to single out one player to give a bit of stick to? Yeah, there's always that one player who the crowd refers to as "Come on, you," and he seems to be where for ages you think his first name is "Come on" instead of yeah. Tony or yeah, Ryan yeah. or whatever. Because for years it was Hibbert. For yeah. years Hibbert got low stick and then for whatever reason the crowd turned on Hibbert and he was suddenly, you know, everyone's cult hero. Yeah, he became like a cult hero and I think he seemed to, you know, get better and better. To be and then we've had we've had Anna Chibi for a while. Ozzy had Ozzy's had his moments, we've had Billy for a long while was getting a stick and then I think Nate Smith's probably taking it on from Billy as being a, the crowd's easy target. Yeah, a bit, bit of a whipping boy. But he didn't do himself any favours. Some of his performances were very weak. Um, so maybe, maybe Moyes was using the wrong position. Maybe he was unfit. But hopefully, after this pre-season, he can uh, start producing. Uh, second player I want to talk about again. Uh, looked look, look decent again. Great touch. Good passing. Uh, Ross Barkley again. So yeah, see, we've already covered that after the uh, the game, but yeah, I mean, again, Ross Barkley, I thought he held the ball well. A lot of play came through him. He is looking like a much improved player. Yeah, I I think I think I said this last week about was why go out and spend fifteen million on McCarthy if when you got Ross Barkley there, you know, give him a give him a chance. And last season, I was very critical of him because because of the way he was being used. Uh, I, I, he wasn't our saviour, whereas a lot of fans were looking at him like he was our, you know, our Lord and saviour, and he was the next Rooney and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's you know that, that's that they're big boots to fill. So just take it for what it is. He's a good, exciting young player. Uh, but give him give him a run of games and see if he can actually produce the goods. 
rather than putting all this pressure on, on without even knowing if he can handle a couple of games. Yeah, and I agree. As a, something I took from the Valencia game, I did notice, was a little, it seemed to possibly be a little bit of a discontent, especially with uh, some of the midfielders, um, towards Martinez, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched it on, uh, through Fox Sports, um, and their commentary team, they, they kept highlighting this. this it wasn't one about them. No, it wasn't Warren Barton, definitely enough. Um, was it Brian McBride a part of it? I, I don't know. No, I, I think it was uh, Winalda. Eric Winalda. Eric Winalda, right. Yeah, and he, he kept highlighting uh, Gibson and Martinez in constant communication throughout the game and a lot of raised eyebrows and looks of uh, like frustration and frowning between them. So I don't know whether um, Gibson's being asked to play in a different position uh, or... What that's all about, really. But he, when he when he was taken off, there seemed to be a little bit of a little bit of a uh, Barney, which which was uh, you know it, it, it was kind of washed over a little bit. And he said, "Let we'll talk about this later." Um, so, but my point of view on that is, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm a big Darren Gibson fan. I, you know, I think he's just he's that player that we've got where he's always open for a pass in midfield. He's comfortable on the ball. He never tries anything too outrageous. It's always nice, cons- instant control, play it off, nice and simple. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe M- Martinez wants to try and somehow change his game slightly, and he- it's something he's not comfortable with. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it- could it just be a case of American telly making him out of the mole and not know what they're talking about? It could be. It could well be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think it says it all about. Um Gibson, that Moyes played him knowing that he was possibly 60-70% fit last season, needing an operation. You know, we, we used to be joked when we were sat in a Gladys that he was told not to shoot, he was told not to pass it too far, told not to run basically, yet he still made the, t- uh, still made the team. Um, and you know, there was that stat that it's, you know, he never, never, lost, never lost a game through all this time at Man U, Leeds. And Everton up until you know what, what game was it? You know, two two or three seated games to go. Invincible Dallin Gibson fit it was his moniker for a little so while. Yeah. It, it took him being sixty percent uh, fit to finally uh, to finally lose a game. Though so I'm a big fan as well and I'm hoping this just uh, this just washes over, uh, just sorry, blows over. The more apparent spot though was with uh, with our new friend and uh, unpronounceable name uh yeah, well, Dale Fow is how uh, Martinez says to say it, but I think I, like I think the general pronunciation has just been Dale Fow. As uh, you know, that's what they seem to I can say Dale Fow. Can you? Just about. Just about. Yeah. Just about nearly. Um, yeah. So what was all that about? Well, I don't know. Is it just? Those uh, Latin temperaments, is it just uh, having a bit yeah, of... Yeah, well, there seems to, there seems to be a, a few rumours going around that he, he was a bit fiery last season. I don't you know if, he, if he's only, like, only a kid and he's in the Barcelona, you know, Barcelona B team. I don't know what there is to be fiery about there. Well, he seems to be playing right midfield. I mean, I, you say, we've already both sort of raised our ignorance on him in the past. I mean, I don't know whether that's a position he's used to playing. Whether he was showing a bit of frustration at being put out on the right and wants to play. It definitely right. seemed to be a, um, a, an argument over his position, the position he was being used in, uh, and you, you could tell he wasn't really happy in the game. But I, I thought it was more out of frustration because he was really, really marshaled quite well by the, the you know, their experienced backline. 
uh, seemed to have them in the back pocket. You know, you see, again, he showed a couple of like nice touches and nice bursts of pace and that, but the experience got the better of him, I think, the experienced players. Um, so maybe it was just a frustrating night for him, and it, it kind of spilled over into a bit of a barry with Bob. But overall, successful tour, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, from by all accounts, our profile has like, gone through the roof in the states. Uh, you know, it wasn't being on, being shown on uh, FX or you know Fox Sports Channel. It was being shown on Fox. You know, like one of the biggest uh, networks in in the US. So. Uh, yeah, so it, you know, definitely good for like building bridges over over in the business side of things in, in America. Yeah, and especially you know we got we got Tim Tim in goal. We had our relation uh, relationship with uh, Landon Donovan uh, and a history of uh, American players coming through. You know, well, there was rumours this week that we were nearly getting Clint Dempsey. Yeah, which, uh, got me semi excited because he was a player I'd love to see at Goodison. I know he's not uh, the youngest of plays out there anymore but to me condemned is a bit like it's very much like Tim Kale. Uh, I would have loved to uh, pick him up for six million but uh, it looks like the MLS have bought the rights to him. Uh, obviously still trying to raise the profile of the league and, and they've sent him out to Seattle Sounders. Yeah. Um you know and, and I suppose that's what the MLS have got to do. They've got to try and keep all the best American homegrown talent they can in the league and try to attract any sort of high-profile foreigners they can uh, to keep the MLS growing in the country and, and, and to catch up to some of the European leagues. Yeah, so they've got a good sign. They've got a good sign in there. Uh, seems to be at the peak of his career, really. He didn't have the best of seasons for Tottenham Bristol. Bang, banged a few in, didn't he? And yeah, he did get a lot of chances. And I think a lot of the stats, he still scored 12 or 13 goals last year, which... Uh, Considering you know he wasn't playing regular, I mean the season before for Fulham he was absolutely on fire. Yeah. He was he was on fire. And he was one of the best players in the league uh, the season before last, in my opinion. Um, so uh, good luck to Mr. Dempsey back over in America. But as you said before, yeah, I'm happy with, with what we're taking from America, and it'll be good to see the Blues back home. Yeah. So Sunday, Betis. Betis on Sunday. Um, we'll be there. We'll be watching be uh, Martinez's first game at Goodison. I'm sure there'll be a, a good turnout from, from the Evertonians. And it might be hot, but it definitely won't be as humid as it was against Valencia in, in Miami last night. So, Well, not unless you sit next to some big fat sweaty fella, because you might get a bit of humidity off him. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I look forward to the game. It's going to be good to get back on your seat in the Gladysson area. It's and start been too long, hasn't it? It's been too long. This week is suggesting that now the Fabregas deals fell through at Man United, uh, United and David Moyes are back in the hunt for Fellaini. 
uh, and that there's going to be a bid prepared this week. Um, talk is possibly even a joint bid uh, with Leighton Baines, which isn't good news. Uh, somewhere in the region of 30 to 35 million. Um, your thoughts? Well, 30 to 35 million is just a bit of a joke, really, isn't it? Uh, that you know, just Fellaini's clause was 24 or 23 and a half million. So are they valuing Baines at six and a half million? Well, the, this is the thing, isn't it? They've already been in for Baines once, and I think, did they get up to about 12 million, was it? In the end? Yeah, up to about 12. They've been knocked back on 12 million on that, so you're looking at at least sort of 15 for Baines, and then whatever Fellaini's money. So you're talking more near to 40, I would have thought, for the two of them before we even contemplated. So the mathematics of that, the, 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 the bids are going up for Baines, so are they actually bidding £15 million for Fellaini? £15 million is what we spent on Fellaini when we took a chance on him uh, from uh, Liège a few years ago. Um, so in the years that he's established himself as a Premier League player, he's still only worth £15 million? It is bizarre at the minute, and obviously, I, I, you know, I would expect the club not to even entertain a bit of that money, um, but that's it. I do not want to see Baines leave. Uh, you know, if we have to sell one of them, then in my opinion, Fellaini's the one we can replace. Um, so, you know, I've always been of the mind that one of them would go in the summer, um, and if it has to be Fellaini, then, then so be it, because um, I think we will be able to, you know go out and have a look on the continent or even in the Premier League and, and find somebody who could sort of fill his boots. Yeah, I think the kicker on this is what, what's really uh, even a sour taste in a lot of Blues um, out is um, the fact that it's mo obviously Moyes who's meant to be behind these bids and, you know, six six months ago did he rate down a 30 million between them? You know, if United had come in with a 30 million bid then he would have laughed at it, but now he's in charge he said to be coming in with a 30 million bid. What's changed? But at the end of the day, Tavon Moyes is an Everton manager anymore. Is he? He's Man United manager and he's doing his job as Man United manager. I, I, a lot of people said this when he came in for Baines. I heard a lot of people saying, you know, oh, that's it. You know, he's doing the dirty on us. He's going after our players. He, you know, he shouldn't, he should be a gentleman and not do that. But he is now Man United manager and as Man United manager, he should be after the best players in the world, and Leighton Baines is the best left back in the world. So, you know, he's only doing his job. Um, again, we mentioned this on a previous podcast. I think he's actually making himself look a little bit weak by putting all these bids in and continually getting knocked back for players. He's starting. He seems to always start, and he probably did it with Evan as well. He seems to start his negotiations stupidly low. Um, and then obviously his transfers always seem to drag on. But would you would you say uh, that I mean it's, it's not an actual bid, is it? This is all just speculation. Well, yeah, I mean you know. <laughs> so you know this could be the news. The newspapers making him look silly, not himself. Um, and Brian Brian uh, who's on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, EFC not better, just better, and he said that the thirty-five million bid for United. Uh, from United, from Felly and Baines, is an insult. Uh, Felly has a 24 million release, that means United are lodging a lower bid for Baines, and uh, we've, we've already discussed that. Um, and Lee, Lee Oxton has also agreed with you, he'd rather see Felly go than Baines. 
Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm on, on the same view, really. I, I think Feli is uh, going to be easier to replace than Baines in the long run. Uh, even though he's younger, uh, he's just, I don't know, midfield, a lot of midfielders going around. There's, there's, there's not many left-backs over the years who have been as consistent uh, as, as Leighton Baines has been. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just in general, I don't think... Leighton Baines is world-class in my eyes. Marwan Fellaini is world-class two games a season. Yeah. He's a very good player, but he doesn't do it week in, week out. He goes missing in games. You know, he has games where he just, you know, couldn't trap his hands in the door. You know, he, he, he just... There's few and far between them games, though, to be honest. Yeah, but they're still there. I mean, when's the last time you can say Leighton Baines was terrible? No, yeah. It doesn't happen, does it? But I, you can name a load of games where Marwan Fellaini was terrible. So, yeah. you know, it's that consistency. that That's the difference between the two of them, I think. And, and you know... Leighton Baines is impossible to replace. It's not happening. A lot of people believe that you can go out to France or Spain and spend sort of eight to ten million and replace Manuel Fellaini fairly comfortably. Yeah, uh, that is a popular opinion. Uh, and you know, you've also got Fellaini's temperament as well. You know, he, he does miss a few games a season. You know, he seems to get booked for blinking. Uh, and uh, referees have singled him out, and you know, you know, if we can get, if we can get 25 or 30 million for him, not that I'd want to, but you know, that's he, he, I'd rather see him go than see Baines go. I mean, the thing with Fellaini though, as well, he's got a unique image, so therefore, at the likes of a Man United, you know, who will promote him and will merchandise off the back of him, I'm sure you know that the whole big afro will appear on numerous t-shirts and they'll probably be able to recoup some of the fee for them. So why they're making derisory offers uh, is beyond me. And I just I still think that Moyes is not doing himself any favours at the moment. With um, with Somebody came out today this week and said that uh, they're already in the books, so to speak, about Baines and Fellaini. So that's why Moyes has been trying his hands with the likes of Fabregas, because he knows it's going to be relatively easy to get Fellaini and Baines from us. It's like already a done deal. Was this coming from Man United supporters? I don't know. I don't know to be honest. I've just I've just I've just seen a, about the you know a few rumours around and um I'm not sure if it was maybe one something that one of the uh, the, the, the chairman from Man U said or something. Um well I mean my gut feeling is Fellaini will go. Um and from a personal point of view I'd rather he went sooner than later to give us time to get a replacement give the lad time whoever it is his replacement to settle in or if we're going to go like we said before that maybe you know Ross Barkley starting week in week out then you know let's do it in training you know and let's 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 get Fellaini out um, I personally think Baines will stay um, maybe I'm wearing blue tinted glasses maybe I'm being uh, hopeful and optimistic but I, I've just got this feeling that, that Baines will still be an Everton player at the start of the season. Let's shall we just let's get this straight though. We're not saying that we want Fellaini to go. We're saying if there was uh, like you know possibility that one of them should leave, we think Fellaini should be the one. But we'd want to keep both of them. That's exactly what I'm saying. In an ideal situation, in an ideal world, first game of the season, we'd have Fellaini in the centre of the park, we'd have Baines at left back. 
and we'd have a couple of new high-profile signings playing around them. In a reality Everton situation, like we've all come to love, uh, you know that ain't going to happen, is it? We we need to generate revenue from somewhere to buy new players, um, and I think you know every Evertonian's expected either both or, or one of the two to go this summer. Yeah, I mean the danger for us would be if it drags out and then ends up happening on uh, transfer deadline day, and you uh, know, the Everton way you mean the Everton way you're doing things, yeah. Where yeah. We, we we suddenly sell a player at. 20 to 11 at night and then crazily run round trying to bite someone in the last 20 minutes of the transfer window. Yeah, I mean, that's we've all got our fingers crossed that, that isn't going to happen this time because if we do sell them, we need to replace and we need to spend relatively big to replace them. Um, I, I still, as I said last week, I still don't think James McCarthy is a is, a, is an ideal, you know, not, not replacement, but you know, in, like, I don't think he's going to fill that role. Well, for instance, I I had me on a player there who, who I thought would have been a very good replacement for uh, for Fellaini, a lad called Etienne Capoue from France. Um, but it, by the looks of it now, he's in the last last sort of stages of negotiation with Spurs after Spurs and Atletico Madrid are coming for him. A couple of weeks ago, you probably could have picked the lad up for eight million. Um, and, yeah, and looking at him, he would have been an ideal replacement. But again, because we let these things tend to drag out. Um, then you know other clubs know that you're desperate, so people's prices go up. So I mean, is it better to buy somebody before we sell? Um, I think if we do that though, then that you're gonna have people. It's gonna be a safe, isn't it? If you buy, then people, all the doom and gloomers are gonna be saying that he's 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 on his way anyway. So we can't win either way. No, then. I don't think we can win. If we the minute we sign a midfield player now, that's it. Fellaini, Fellaini is, is as good as out the door, I think. But on another note, yeah. in your opinion, if we lost Fellaini and the Shape lost Suarez, who would miss them the most? Ooh. I think it's definitely the Shite. I definitely. I don't know if Fellaini was Fellaini our top scorer last season. Was he? I think he was. In the league? Yeah. I think he got 12. You're right. Yeah. So, um, and I know, you know Suarez will have to go 20, 25 or something, but we're talking relatively. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah. So, every cloud is a silver lining with these transfer windows. But, uh, I mean, apart from that, I think we commented on the Facebook page this week. It's been a fairly quiet week, other, other than that, when it's come to transfers. Uh, there's a rumour that doesn't seem to want to die which is a lad from Juventus that the Blues are interested in. Uh, again, central midfielder, possibly a Fellaini replacement, uh, and his name's Luca Moroni. Uh, young lad, uh, 24 years of age now. Uh, defensive midfielder, but played part of last season at centre-half for Juventus. Uh, filling in for Chiellini, which is no easy task, I wouldn't have thought. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Well... As we were discussing earlier on, you know, as you say, if he if he's a defensive midfielder, stroke, uh, like centre back, you know, that kind of role, and uh, Gibson and Martin is on seeing eye to eye, then we, you know we might be looking at him as a replacement for Gibson rather than or maybe. even Heitinger maybe. Well, yeah, but Heitinger, Heitinger, um, discussing a sec. Um, but so we've gone from being linked with a forward from Juve, which was match last week, um, and now to Moroni. Um, 
I mean, there's no bid gone in. So, again, just rumour. Yeah, I mean, but looking at him, you know, apparently he's a, he's a very well-liked player around Juventus. Um, he's come up through their youth system. Uh, been out on a couple of loans, a bit like similar to Ross Barkley in, in a sense. Uh, you know, he's been out on loan a couple of times to lower league sides. He went out to Siena and Serie B uh, and helped them to promotion uh, season before last. Uh, and now he's trying to sort of cement a place in the Juventus side, find his feet. Uh, but possibly they, they are looking a bit of around seven million is, is what the rumours are. Um, so. I don't know, you know what, I, I actually like the look of him, and one thing I do like is, he's got a very Mark Mack style haircut, which can, is never a bad thing. He's so, obviously so a trendy bastard. One daft haircut to another then, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the type of sound I like to see. The lad's 24, you know, you, you can say he's only going to get better. Um, it's got the thumbs up from me, I must say. Okay, well, thumbs in the middle from me. Uh, I, I, as I say, defensive midfielder. I don't know. I, mean, I think Gibbo can still do that job for us, and it's, I hope we can keep all of the Feli. So, uh, thumbs in the middle. Um, another rumour out, uh, this has been ongoing for about a year or so now, um, and Dave, Dave mentioned this, he wanted us to talk about this last week, who sits with us at the match. Um, Johnny Eitinger, does he fit in at Everton Football Club? Well, it's a funny one, this because he's a cult. He's got a you know a cult following, cult figure. The crowd right. loves him, but You're right. there's, a, there's a big. big there's two, I I always think there's two schools of thought on Johnny Eitinger. There's the type of person who thinks he's you know a liability. He's mistake prone, um, and he's one of these players who's a bit of a fist pumping, crowd clapping. Arguably like Thomas Gravesel. Um, well, that was brought up on the Facebook page this week as well. But then, there's the other, the other side of the coin. I mean, I think some Evertonians have got a very short memory. The season before last, Heitinger was our player of the year. Yeah. Him and this stand between the two of them, with, with the players of the season. Um, so, you know, last year he got squeezed out. Jagielka was obviously back to full fitness. He got squeezed out a little bit. And then, I, my, my belief is, when you're the centre-half, you need games. When you're coming in for odd games here, odd games there, coming on as a sub, you, you are prone to mistake then because you haven't got that partnership with you, you know, whoever you're playing at the back with. So I actually like Heitinger as a player, um, and for the type of money we're probably going to get for him, again, like we talked about this with Jelovic the other week, will we be able to find somebody of the same sort of ability, you know, for this, that that money, or are we going to lose out? Um, well, I, I think when he first fell out of favour, um, it was you know, before he before he had the good good run of form, and it was because he, he he bottled out a few a few channel uh, challenges, and it really really um, really put a lot of Evertonians off him, and it took him a long time. You know, that good that good season where he had really really good run of form, it took him like towards the end of that good run of form before he finally won them back over, and then. When he's come on and done, you know, he's been in, the, he's done the same kind of thing. He's bottled out of a few channels and he, challenges, and he's gone missing a little bit. Um, and that's one position where you can't really go missing. Whether he's being used as centre, well, another position, you know, if he's been using just in front of the centre backs, you can't go missing there. Your team gets found out if you do that, and he has done a couple of times. 
but I, I think that versatility that you mentioned there is one of his best characteristics. And he's one of them players who you're happy with him. You know, if he's on the bench, great. You can cover it right back. You can cover the centre half. You can cover the midfield. You know, a bit like you know Phil Neville, who's now left the club as well. So I think I would like to see him stay at the club. But I know that I'm probably in the minority at the moment. I think he's a good squad player. I uh, don't think he's ever going to be in a position where he's uh, demanding a first team place um, all the time. I think. I think with a good run of form, he could, you know, he could push back in. Like Distan, you know, how old is Distan now? 35, 36. Um, he still looks the same as he did like you know, 15 years ago. He may be even fitter. Well, my question to you would be, if first game of the season, Distan and Jackie Elker are at the back, you know, Jackie Elker's knee goes again and he's out till Christmas. Would you rather see Heitinger play till Christmas or Duffy or Stones play till Christmas? I don't know. I don't know. At, at some point, they're going to have to throw Duffy in or let him go. He's been on the verge of the first team for, what, three years now? And he hasn't had a run of two games together, has he? He's come on as a sub. He's had how many starts? I can't even think of a single start that he's had, maybe one or two uh, in the Cups. So at some point, he's got it. You know, if he's good enough then why isn't, he, why isn't he breaking through? If he's not good enough, then why is he still here? Um, so I, I don't know how to answer that one. Uh, Heitinger, if he can get four or five mil and replace him with another player like Alcaraz, then that's got to be good business. But as we've seen this week, I mean, what, you know, every Wigan fan was warning us about. Yeah. Alcaraz is out and looking at surgery for the hernia already. So, I mean, you know... <laughs> Are we going to be able to rely on him at any point in the season? No, I think. I mean, another another sign, and similar similar to the likes of you know, Distan proved a great sign when we when we got rid of that uh, Lescott. Uh, another sign of that kind of ilk. Um, maybe Johnny could go, but not without getting a replacement. Yeah, well, obviously, other than transfer news this week, I say it has been a fairly quiet week on the transfer week. Um, a few things happening in and around Goodison, really. Um, and one of the more sad points I think this week is, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but uh, the Everton crest, the Everton badges coming down from the side of the Goodson. Yeah, I saw the pictures and um, the only thing I can think is that they're putting that monstrosity up there instead of the, the new branded on there, which after the controversy that it's caused, surely if it's only going, if it's only going up for one season, what's the point? You've got to follow through with your branding now, haven't you? I mean, it would look a bit daft if we had, you know, sort of 40-foot replicas of the old badge up on the ground or whether there's a new badge on the shirt. So, um, it's it's just the, the branding of the club. And as we talked about last week, they're trying to push that through a lot in, in America and other countries. So, uh, but it's sad to see. It's sad to see the old the badges going yeah, on the side of the ground. Yeah, I, I think we, we were talking about this a little bit before, like, that, that walk up to Goodison and then, you know, especially on the night game and you look up and, you know, you see the illuminated uh, crest up there on the stadium and you get shivers up your spine. Is is the, is the new badge going to do that or are you going to look at it and like... Well, I'm expecting them to do something very similar to, but, but just with the new badge. That's what I would think they would do. Um, so, I don't know. Let's give it a chance. I'd say it's, it is slightly growing on me. I've been, I got shouted at this week for saying that on last week's podcast. But I Going am, on you like a wart. No, I am starting to get used to it a little bit now. So, uh, should we give it a chance, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, that's 
just that that's uh, me speculating over what's going up in place of the crests. You know, they might put they might put just a, a different crest up there, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fully expecting them to get there and to see that one up there. I've heard there's a possibility they might put not bitter, just better than big. Well, you know, it, maybe in the maybe in a season a season a season or two once we once we're running the show, yeah, we could it could well be. Um, other news is just breaking news actually just been announced today. Um, Draws been made for the the League Cup, whatever it's called this year. I don't know. Capital it's, One Cup. Capital One Credit Card Wong Alone Cup or whatever it's called this season. Um, Stevenage at home. Wow. Big game. Tough Big game. Tough test. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we laugh about these things, but we we have uh, we fell at the first hurdle a few times, haven't we? To lower league sides, uh, but this one, I mean, you've got to be looking the way the form we had, uh, you know, most of last season. We've got to be getting through this one, haven't we? I would have thought so. Um, and other than that, really, obviously we've already mentioned the Betis game is Sunday, so we're going to get back to Goodison. Um, just in relation to forthcoming games, uh, we have got some information with regards to Cardiff away. Um, anyone who's looking for tickets and transport to Cardiff, uh, prices are now out with since1878.co.uk. Uh, it's £30 on the coach. Uh, and adult match tickets are £35 and child match tickets are £20. So 65 quid all in for an adult day out down to Cardiff. Um, new team who've just come up, nice city, uh, should be a good good atmosphere, good day out. I think it's a bargain at 65 quid. Yeah, it's good and good atmosphere on the coaches as well. As I said, as we, we've said a couple of times, Sammy Paul who runs these, uh, runs these away days and match day hospitality kind of things with the drinks all included and next player so um yeah so it, once once you get in there as well there's good crowds and uh, you, you'll, you'll definitely go back for more so if yeah. anyone interested in that get in touch with, uh, with paul that's since 1878 or get in touch with us and we can put you in touch with them uh pickups for those will be not too far from goodison just on county road there if anyone knows the area uh, and also by the rocket so a couple of places you can get picked up um should be a good day out, I think I'll probably go. Yeah, I think I should be too, yeah. Um, and, and apart from that, it's been a, a little quiet week for the Blues there, so um, now the squad's are home. Um, now we've got the better game. It's getting a bit exciting yeah, now, it's, it's getting near the start of the season. It's exciting, it's, all, it's just, just over a week. Oh, can't wait. Um, and that's pretty much it for another episode of the podcast. Uh, we're going to have a little break now probably a little bit of music or something and then or, or a clip and then we'll get into this week's uh, entrance into the not bitter just better hall of fame what's your name jane how old are you five what did your daddy do play football who for everything is he good yeah what's his name Alec Young. Yeah, well, following on from that clip, um, you don't have to be a genius to work out that today's entrance into the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame is the Golden Vision, Alec Young. Uh, just before we do a little profile of Alec Young, I'll uh, throw you over to Johnny, who's just got a, a few of the links to make it a little bit easier for you to find us uh, in the future on Facebook and for the podcast, etc. Yeah, if you just search for us on Facebook, uh, it's it, Not Bitter, Just Better. 
the actual URL is facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at just better EFC. And for the actual podcast, if you listen on SoundCloud or Podbean, if you find us on iTunes, you can su- subscribe there so you can get it on, on Thursdays when it comes out. Easiest way to do it, get yourself onto iTunes, find us, click subscribe. Don't have to worry about it then, every week on a Thursday, it'll pop onto your phone, your iPad, uh, however you choose to listen to us. And it's, it's dead simple, isn't it? It's however, however, for those of you who don't, who, who don't like Apple products, which I don't know why anyone wouldn't, um, we are on SoundCloud, we will put the links up on Facebook so you can listen right there on Facebook. We put the podcasts up on our YouTube channel as well, which is Not Bitter, Just Better 1. Uh, and so, easy, easy, just follow, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, we, we, everything's on there. Put the games up on there as well in the entirety on the YouTube channel, so everything's on there, so you don't have to really move. Well, enough of all that faff. Let's get on to one of the greatest Everton players of all time. Some would say, possibly... The greatest Everton player of all time. I'm sure that's up for debate. Um, I was speaking to one of my mates in work this week, a lad called Adam Marr, who's a subscriber to the podcast, uh, and he was telling me how, how his dad, uh, who's seen you know some of the Everton greats, Harvey, Kendall, Ball, uh, Joe Royal, uh, you know the name Lebone, the names go on and on over the years, but he reckons that the golden vision, Alex Young was the greatest player to ever lace up a pair of boots and pull on that. Oh, high, high praise indeed, that, isn't it? Well, I mean, again, we were like this with Dave Hicks, and, you know, we're a bit too young to have ever seen him play, obviously, um, but, you know, we go to the match with a lot of pe- a lot of fellas who are older than us, and, and they, they talk and they reminisce about the older players, and, I mean, Alex Young is held in such a high regard, and, you know, he was obviously something very, very special. Um, just going on to his life really and his career uh, born Alexander Young 3rd of February 1937 um, born up in Head in Scotland um, started his playing career with Hart, Hart and Midlothian um, up there in Edinburgh uh, and made 155 appearances for Hart uh, scoring 71 goals while he was up at heart, uh, he made his debut at the age of 18 uh, and won a couple of league titles up there with Hearts. Now, to someone of our age, Hearts win the league title in Scotland's unheard of. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought there was only uh, only two teams in that league up until recently, and that was only one, isn't that? Only Celtic. Well, so, I mean, you know, even that in itself is a little bit special, winning two league championships up there outside of the old fair. Um, he was obviously spotted um, by Everton. Uh, and joined Everton in 1960. Uh, he went on to make, uh, in all competitions, he made 273 appearances for the Blues and scored 87 goals. Now you might think, well, what are you raving on about? That's not, you know, that's not even close to one and two. Um, what are you worried about? Well, you see, I think the thing that set Alex Young apart uh, back in the 60s when he played was from what I'm told, he was well ahead of his time. He played sort of off the front striker. He was skillful. He had a great first touch. You know, he, he, from, to me, he sounds a bit like someone like Berbatov, perhaps. You know, great first touch, great vision, hence the nickname. Um, 
and he used to play just in the hole behind, uh, well, for most of his Everton career, behind Roy Vernon, who I know, you know benefited massively from uh, from the service he got from Alex Young. So, um, a great servant to Everton Football Club. Was there from 60 to 90, between 1960 up to 1968, uh, and obviously uh, in his time at Everton, scored all those goals. Um, I was lucky enough to have met him on a couple of occasions, uh, and he's a lovely man as well. Yeah, um, I want you to tell me about one of those uh, occasions in particular, when uh, I believe you and a couple of the lads, including Paul, that we spoke to, spoke about uh, from since 1878, you had a little bit of a uh, nice chat, or Paul did anyway, about Alex, uh, with Alex. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was very privileged to get an invite up to Alex Young's house up in uh, up in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a lovely summer's day. Uh, myself and Paul and another lad we know called Mark went up and uh, got to have afternoon tea really in, in, up in his house. Um, and some of the stories he was telling uh, about Everton back in the day, you know, they, they just you just sat there sort of mesmerised by the man. Uh, really nice man. Uh, his wife was really nice also. Um, and then all very abruptly, the Everton stories stopped when Paul, who was obviously in awe, decided to tell a two-hour story about a young lad getting brought up in the jungle by a pack of wolves. This sort of scared Alec Young, I think, uh, and we soon got thrown out of his house after that. But uh, no, no, I mean. It was it was a great afternoon. It was great being in the company of, of such a man, um, and I, I, that's what I can say about him from a personal point of view. Lovely man. Um, I would have loved to have seen him play. Um, I, would, I would have thought he, yeah. he, you know, he could probably still fit into the Everton side in, in this day and age. I would have thought. That's. I mean, when you when you talk about um, you know us being too young to experience players like that. When you still, when you're in the presence of them, it's like you, you know, I, I ran into the good fortune to run into Brian LeBone a couple of times in my life and shook his hand, and you know, being in the presence of people like that, it does, it's you know, it's, it is awe inspiring, and it does leave you uh, lost for words, which is probably why Paul ended up talking about the little boy who got brought up by wolves. Um, so yeah, Alec Young, what a what a true Everton legend. Um, do you, want to, do you want to add any more? Yeah, obviously he's held in high regard by the club, as we know. Um, the club tends to tie him down, down for a few games, um, most seasons. Uh, and in, obviously the club gave him a testimonial at Goodison back in 2001. Uh, and had 20,000 fans turn out to, to, to come and see him and to, and to wish him well. Um, you know, I, I can't think. When, when you set up something like the Hall of Fame, you know, there's a few names that, that pop straight into your mind, and I must admit, uh, Alec Young was, you know, was probably the the top of my list. Um, so I think he's a welcome addition. Yeah. Uh, the Everton squad in there starting to, to shape up already. I mean, we've got Davy Ixon, Alex Young up front, Tim Cale just behind them at the minute. Yeah, he bags of goals there, isn't it? There's probably going to be a few competition for places soon as well with the uh, the forthcoming entrance. So, uh, so. Alex, you're welcome, son. Get yourself in that changing room. Yeah, Alex Young, welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame.
Right, okay. So um, we're going to finish off there. And I want to thank everyone for listening again. Uh, I think we're going to do Wednesday next week. Uh, so just, again, if you just subscribe on iTunes, you, you'll get you'll get the uh, podcast straight away whenever it goes up there. To make it easier, we'll probably still bring it out on Thursday. Okay, yeah. It keeps everything nice and simple. Um, just going forwards as well, um, there's a little bit of talk at the moment. Probably once we the season gets up and running, um, your weekly Thursday show will be still there, still getting done every week. Um, but we're also looking at possibly doing something on match days. Yeah, match day um, specials. Match day specials. Um, it's a work in progress at the moment, but it should be featuring uh, an ex-player most weeks. Uh, a bit of build-up before the game. The views of the fans on the way up to the to, to Goodison, uh, and then obviously a bit of fallout after the game. Whether you know we've just turned in a great performance, and Stephen A. Smith just got a wonder at it, or you know we've just got battered and we ate everyone, and you know it's back to moaning it, Johnny Aitinga or whoever else. So that's that's the plan going forward. Um, and that's about it for me. That's three shows in a bag now. We're going well. We have a good suit yet, which is always a winner. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all for me. I just want to say uh, we will catch you all again next week. Uh, catch some of you at the game on Sunday. And Jason Bourne is an Evertonian. Jimmy Savile is not. <laughs>